0: Wow, thank you so much, uh, Praise Team, and uh, all of our music ministry. That was a phenomenal job of leading us in praise and worship. And so, thank you uh, so very much. You know, uh, Kristen and Sydney, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sing just like that. I, t- I can't sing like quite like that today. But hey, listen, we want to welcome you again to the Lord's house on this Easter uh, Resurrection Sunday. What a privilege it was to baptize uh, many people, like I said earlier, children. Adults, teenagers who have given their lives to Christ and what a special time it is uh, to publicly proclaim uh, their faith uh, in the Lord. So today I want to share a message with you and it's a little bit different. Let me just go ahead and tell tell you at the beginning that my sermon is a little bit unconventional. It's a little different for a typical, if you will, Sunday or an Easter resurrection Sunday. Most of the time, uh, for example, currently I'm studying with our church family, the book of Revelation, the great apocalypse. And we're having a great time studying verse by verse the book of Revelation. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come back next week, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. But I've I've just been feeling led of the Lord to do this on this particular Sunday. Uh, The title of the message is, uh, How to Live a Blessed Life. And so… It is not an accident that you're here today, and it's not an accident that the Holy Spirit has really changed the course of my sermon so that I could share this very pragmatic, practical message on how to experience a blessed life and what that uh, entails. The main verse I want to share with you is Psalm chapter 21, verse 6, and it says this. For you, God, have made Him most blessed forever. You, again, the pronoun there is referring to God. You, God, have made Him exceedingly glad with your presence. So today, I want to share with you how you can be blessed and how you can be glad uh, in the presence of God. Uh, I have three children, my wife and I. We have a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 20-year-old, and all three of them are here with us today, and we're just so blessed. My family is so incredibly blessed. I've been married to uh, my wife now for almost 28 years. It's a miracle she's put up with me for that long, but I'm very grateful to her. And we live in the greatest city in America, and I think we, actually we've been so blessed. We live in a great neighborhood in Austin, and so we do feel extremely, incredibly blessed to be the servant leaders, the pastors of this great church here uh, in Austin. But Now, for 20-plus years, I have been sharing a sermon with my kids. And it's the same sermon. It has three points, and they're the same points. I've never publicly shared this sermon, though I have been preaching it now for 20-plus years. And I think the proof is in the life of my children. All three of them are walking with Christ. They live a very victorious life. And I'll get emotional if I keep talking about it, but we are so incredibly proud of them and I, and I cannot stand up here and say, yeah, that's right, they, they did the three things I told them, and, and they're blessed. No, no, they had to choose Christ, and they had to make sacrifices and walk with Him, and as a result, they are very, very blessed. Now, I am a priori, or the presupposition, that you're here today because you at least have a modicum a residue of belief in the supernatural. Okay, can can we all agree with that? And I know we have many people here, many different walks and faiths and religions are, are represented, and I understand that. But I do believe that if you did not believe in Jesus Christ, you probably would not be here today. You believe that God created the heavens and the earth, just like the Bible says. You believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He came from heaven above. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He, I mean, he never sinned, not in word, not in thought, not in deed. He lived a perfect life according to his biography, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He died on Good Friday. He died a vicarious, substitutionary death. He took upon your sin and my sin, and he died on a cross, and he bled so that you and I could be blessed and forgiven. They put him in a borrowed tomb, and then up from the grave, praise God, He arose from the dead. Now, I know all of that is fraught with the supernatural. And you wouldn't be here today unless you believed, at least in part, that this epic cosmic story of a God loving the world so much that He gave His Son, if you didn't believe that, then you probably would not be here. Then He taught for 40 days on earth, Acts 1-3. And then He ascended back to heaven and fifty days later the Holy Spirit of God came at Pentecost and we came into existence, the Church of the Living God. But Let me ask you a question. What difference does that make? What difference does it make? If you believe, it makes all the difference in the world. It changes not only the kind of life you live here on this earth, but aren't you glad that it changes your eternal address, your eternal destiny in heaven? And so I'm grateful to God for that. Amen. And so today, uh, again, I'm just so excited about sharing. This is a very simple message from a very simple preacher. And we're just going to look at three things that if you do these three things, you're going to be blessed. Number one, be generous. Be a person of generosity. Be a person that gives. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has an affinity with people of generosity. Let me say that again. God has an affinity with people of generosity. And I know it's within human nature to be selfish, to hoard to, to kind of gather and to say, you know, this is mine. I earned this, and I'm going to spend this the way I want to. And we kind of monopolize our own time. We want to be our own, our own kings and queens. We want to control our own destiny. And a lot of that has to do with the way we spend our money. Now, don't turn me off. Some of you going, I knew it. I hadn't been to church in a long time. And as soon as I come to church, that preacher gets there, and he starts talking about filthy money. I'm telling you, where are the exits to this church? Now, don't leave yet, okay? Listen. I'm not asking you for your money, all right? I'm asking you to be a person of generosity. Someone who gives freely of your time, okay, of your resources, of your compliments, of your praise. Be a person of generosity who gives. Let me share some scriptures with you. By the way, if you have a crying child, it is absolutely okay to take them out. Now, don't take them out and hit them. I'm not talking about that. But you can just take them right out there and, and you can walk them around and uh, and let them kind of calm back down, then they can come back in. Think nope, no harm, no foul. God bless you. See you in a few minutes, all right. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, 25, the generous soul will be made rich. Now I want you to look at this, all right? This is the God's word, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. Not the stingy, the misery, the hoarding soul, but no, the lavish, the generous, the giving soul will be made rich. Now watch this. And he who waters will also be watered himself. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And then let me give you one more verse, and I really love this one. Acts 20, 35. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a group of Ephesian pastors and he's coming through his missionary journey and he speaks to these pastors in Miletus and the pastors from Ephesus come to him and he says these words to them. He said, now listen, I have shown you in every way. This is Paul speaking. He spent three years with them, laboring like this, that you must support the weak. Then he quotes Jesus Christ. He says, now please remember the words of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said... Now, this is a very famous quote. I mean, people quote this all the time in secular, humanistic. I mean, even in atheistic circles, they will quote this aphorism. They will quote this truth because, you know what, truth is truth, you know? And it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Ashley and William had been married for Oh, a number of years, and they're a special couple. They met on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Uh, her platoon was in a, in a firefight in a bad way, and, and William was one of those that came in and helped and rescued her. And so they fell in love, and they got married, and they had a little baby named Lily, and their lives were doing really good because William was serving his fifth term, fifth deployment in Afghanistan, he had 10 days left. He was coming home, true story. And so Ashley said, I want to bless my husband. He is just always giving. He's such an amazing man. And so they loved trucks. And I mean, they like the big Big trucks. I mean the Ford 350. I mean they and, and and they love to go mudding. They just like to drive in the mud. In fact, they loved this one particular truck so much that they drove away from the church to their honeymoon in this truck. And, and three years later, when Lily was born, they drove her from the hospital back home in this truck. And so she said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna this truck. I'm gonna get this truck looking so good. So when he comes home from Afghanistan, it's going to be amazing." CSC. Lifts, liners, and accessories in Watson, Louisiana, found out about it. And they said, Ashley, let us help you out. We appreciate your man. He is such a a soldier, and we're going to help you just deck this truck out so that when he comes home, he can walk in and be surprised. Well, none of that would happen. Just a few weeks ago, January the 4th, 2014, William Lacey was in Afghanistan. You know, guys, we still got people in Afghanistan. We've still got soldiers. we got people laying down their lives for you and for me. And so the unthinkable happened. The insurgents penetrated the camp. And Sergeant Lacey was one of the first ones to notice what was going on. He grabbed two men, and they ran to the very front of the camp. And Lacey himself shot and killed three insurgent soldiers. All three of them were wearing suicide vests. Had any of them got just a little bit further, they would have exploded and they would have killed all 55 of our soldiers in the camp. And in the process of doing that, he was shot, he was mortally wounded, and he died, literally he died on the spot. Ten days, ten days before he came home. Well, as you can imagine, Ashley and Lily, they were devastated. And the guys at CSC and Watson, they heard about it And they said, let's do this. Let's still do what we were thinking about, but let's just do it extravagantly, and let's just do it for her. And so that's what they did. This team of men worked eight days nonstop, and they did all kinds of things to this truck. In fact, I had to write them down. There were so many things that they did. Let me me read them to you. Owner Daryl, Carmina, and his men put on 40-inch tires, black rims, fender flares, brand-new front and rear bumpers, LED lights in the bumper, and a backup camera. Most of the equipment, by the way, was donated by other businesses. My favorite part, though, is what was on the tailgate. They had a photo of Sergeant Lacey's dog tags on the left side, and on the right side, it had these words, Sergeant William Kelly Lacey, my husband, my love, KIA, Afghanistan, 147. 14. she has no idea what they've done for all she knows the whole project is over because her husband had died and so I've got a video clip I want you to watch just get your tissue by the way I'm, I'm starting to cry now just watch what happens when she walks into the garage and when she looks at that truck guys let, let's see if we can roll this and I hope you enjoy this these two minutes as much as I have yeah that's what we need right there he was a mechanic so, right now, at this point in time, all I am Otherwise, is his hands. Doing what he wanted to do when he came home. And they're giving him a truck bigger and better than he ever dreamed. They kept it a secret from done. Ashley until hey, right play. now. Oh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it's everything he could have wanted. Thank you everybody. I, I I can touch this truck and I can feel him. It's so amazing. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> All this is for you. You know, I didn't have the privilege of meeting him, but the story that I've gotten about him and what he was about and what he's done in his past for our country, um, you know, it's almost like he's here. So many memories were in that truck that I feel doing this for that truck is allowing him to continue to live. Oh, wow. This truck to make everybody aware that somebody had to go through that. Somebody had to hurt some little girl. will never know her dad because she was so young when he was taken. A chance to live on through the work, the sweat, and the mud. A fitting tribute to a mechanic, a soldier, and a man of men. Sergeant First Class William Kelly Lacey. I've watched that like six times in preparing this sermon over the last few weeks I have, and every single time when she starts crying I start crying now here, here's what I want you to get out of that story as much as Ashley was blessed I would argue that those men who worked eight days non-stop I think they were blessed even more you, you really couldn't see it but the article that I read said they these big raw bone men they were like choking back tears. I mean, their eyes were filling up with tears because, and they felt so good. Haven't you been there before? You've done something for somebody else, purely altruistic. Your motives were as pure as the driven snow. You really weren't getting anything out of it in return, no reciprocation whatsoever. And yet when you give like that and you watch the other person's reaction, I think Jesus is absolutely right. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. A couple of weeks ago, when the opening day baseball started, the Miami Marlins kicked off their brand-new season in their stadium. And Chris Reyes, he's a high school student, he went, to the, um, he went to the ball game, and bless his heart, he did something like Brother Danny would do. I mean, he lost his wallet right there at the game. And he thought, sure enough, I'll never see those $60 cash. I'll never see that wallet again. I had my school ID. I had my driver's license in it. And he just said, I know it's gone forever. Until a couple weeks later, this anonymous guy, a stranger, drives up to the high school there in Miami. Goes up to the, uh, to the office personnel and, and identifies himself and says, I have a wallet here. It has an ID in it, school ID, this school, and it has a driver's license. And when I picked it up, it had absolutely no money in it whatsoever. He took that wallet. He put $20 of his own money in it, and he wrote the note, and it said, Dear Chris... It's not really important who I am. I just want you to know that there's still some good in this world. Take this $20 and the next opportunity you have, pay it forward and do something good for somebody else. And he gave that wallet and that note and he slipped out and nobody to this day really knows who that stranger is except one person knows who he is. The Bible says when you do something like that in secret, your heavenly Father rewards you. Anybody? Openly, openly. So point number one, just a very simple sermon that I want to share with you that I've been preaching for 20 years to my kids is be a person of generosity. Give. Don't be afraid. Give. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 6:38, 30, when you give and in the measure that you give is precisely the measure it will be given back to you. So don't be afraid to be generous. In your time, in your compliments, in your finances, in your money, in your praise, in your accolades, be a person of generosity. Point number two. Point number two is work hard. This is what I've been teaching my children now for 20 years. And by the way, all three of them are duly employed, or they're full-time students in college. Uh, Two of them have have worked very hard and have a lot of money saved up in the bank, and they're finished with school, and they have no debt. They don't have any car payments, no nothing. I know mom and dad has helped, amen. But they're in a very good position. Now, I can't say so much for the other one, because he's still in college, amen, and we ought to take up an offering for him, all right, but he, he is going to a private uh, Christian school, and amen, Mom and I, and we pay him for that for a long time. But anyhow, I've taught them, and I've encouraged them, don't be afraid of hard work. Be disciplined in your work ethic. And you'd be amazed at how much the Bible says about working hard. And it's more than just a capitalistic, you know, "Earn all you can," and, and, and all that. No, it's, it's very biblical to work hard. You know, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, says, I'm going to try to work hard and earn all I can, save all I can, and give all I can. That's a very good philosophy of economics, by the way. The Bible says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. But diligence is man's precious possession. Proverbs 12, 27. Let me read another proverb to you. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings... He will not stand before obscure men. And this verse is one that I, I really want to highlight. It's Colossians 3, through 24. And the Apostle Paul is telling the church there at Colossae, don't be afraid to work hard. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fear God, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it Heartily. Now, I want you to underline that word in your Bibles. That's Colossians 3.23. I'm going to come back to that word in just a moment. Whatever you do. By the way, that's all-encompassing. Whatever is a generic term meaning, are you with me? Whatever. All-encompassing. Whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now, watch what God does when you work hard, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. You will be blessed. You will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Now those words heartily is the Greek prepositional phrase ek psyche. Ek means from and psyche is we literally transliterate that word right out of the Greek into English and it is the word psyche literally from the soul. I'm I'm afraid that many of our younger generation and the millennials certainly not all but some of them have thought about bypassing this disciplined work ethic and looking at all that mama has and daddy has and my grandparents have and say, well, I just, I just want that. But you know what, guys? They paid a price for that. They worked hard. They rolled up their sleeves, and they were not afraid of a little sweat equity. I mean, they were hardworking people, and that's why they have a lot of what they have. So entitlement, we're not into entitlement. We're into working hard. Now, by the way, I'm just preaching a big sermon that really is a real macro sermon to just a micro audience, and this, this is the message for my children. Our youngest son, Leighton, works at a place called the Austin Tennis Academy. It is out there near the Bee Caves area, and they've been in existence about 10 years. And Leighton works for them. He's a professional tennis coach, full-time. He loves what he does. In fact, one of those uh, founders of that um, tennis academy. Doug Davis and his wife Lisa are here today worshiping with us, but the CEO is a man by the name of Jack Newman. And Jack Newman, uh, with Doug and a couple others, they founded the Austin Tennis Academy. And, and Layton was, has been telling me he's been watching his boss, his CEO. He came home the other day and he said, Dad, I just can't believe it. Jack, he... After everybody leaves, he stays around. He picks up the stray tennis balls. He picks up the trash. He makes sure everything's okay. And then after everybody's left, he left. And Dad, he's the CEO. And I'm just smiling. I'm just going, yeah? What, what do you think about that? Said, I think that's awesome. In fact, watching him makes me want to do that. Makes me want to work hard. You say, really? Well, let me tell you something else about the Austin Tennis Academy. They in their very DNA, they said, we're going to start this business and we're going to be generous and benevolent and we're going to give a million dollars. We're going to give money to Ethiopia, to the Glimmer of Hope Foundation that helps provide water, drinking water, fresh water to people in Ethiopia. You say, well, let me ask you, Brother Dan, how's all that going for them? How's the servant, working hard CEO and the generous, benevolent lifestyle of ATA, how far has that gotten them in life? I bet it hasn't gotten them very far, has it? Because you can't do that in business, buddy. You can't be generous and gracious because you got to look out for number one. Nobody else is going to look out for you. So how's all that been going? Thank you for asking. Appreciate you asking me. Here's how that's going for them. They're one of the top five tennis academies, if not in America, probably in all of the world. People literally move From all over the world, they move to Austin, Texas, they get their children in the academy, which is a top-rate college prep academy, and they get them under the watchful eye of a Jack Newman, a Doug Davis, and all those other coaches, and I'm telling you, they are blessed, and they are doing quite well financially, and it, it is just a basic axiom of life. If you couple generosity with hard work, you are positioning yourself for a great blessing tremendous blessings. You know, when I was growing up in, in school, I, I never was the smartest in the class, and I never was the best athlete in the class. But I did do one thing that I, I prized myself on, and my... Do y'all remember Bill Bates from the Dallas Cowboys? Am I dating myself a little bit? Y'all remember that guy from the University of Tennessee? He, he wasn't the smartest or the biggest, but he was very very successful. What happened to the Cowboys? Amen. What, what happened to the Cowboys? I mean, I'm sorry, that's not in my notes, but I'm just, I'm feeling for them. I love what that guy said the other day. He said he wants the Dallas Cowboys to be his pallbearer so they can let him down one more time. I love that. That's hilarious. It's funny. So, so I was growing up, and, and, you know, the unthinkable happened to me. I was very happy in my high school in Mobile, Alabama. And my mom came to me one day and stepdad, and they said, well, we got some news for you. We're moving. And I literally remember looking at them saying, y'all have a good life because I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I mean, I'm really, I, I've got my friends, I've got my buddies, I've got my chewing tobacco, I've got my horses, I've got my partying thing going on, life is good. Y'all just, go. and I didn't know Jesus, okay? I didn't know the Lord. I, I, I certainly wasn't walking with the Lord. And so we moved to Monroeville, Alabama. They enrolled me in Monroe Academy. as a very uh, solid preparatory school. And, and my mom said, Dan, why don't you try out for the football team? And I'm like, look at me. I mean, <laughs> she said, no, you could do this. You go try out for the football team. And so I did. I, I went up to Coach Kelly, Rob Kelly. He was the head football coach. And I said, I, I want to try out for the team. And he said, OK, come on. And, and I did. And I was terrible. I was terrible. I had not played organized football in in many, many years. And they strapped a helmet on me and and pads on me. And I tell you, it it was fun. It was fun. By the time my senior year, I won an award. And I was so proud of my little self. Now, I did not win the top academic award. Another guy got that. I did not win the most outstanding athlete. I surely didn't win that but guess which award I won? And that award has meant more to me than any other award I have ever won in athletics or competition and scholastics or whatever. Most improved player. They gave me that. They gave me that trophy. They said, "Man, you have worked out in the gym. You have done all that your little 5 foot 6 frame can do, and you are the most improved player." And that work ethic, that determination has stayed with me all of my life. I have a PhD. And the D is certainly not for brilliance, it's for discipline. And I want to just tell you, some of you young people today, you can do anything you want to do. You believe, you trust in God, you give it your best, and you can be great. So be generous, work hard. Now, before I tell you the last one, I'm going to have to prepare you, okay? Because some of you are going, I'm good with this, you know. I can, I can hear this in any motivational speech or pep talk all over America. Thank you, thank you for that. But this last one, this one's the bomb. Has it come up on the screen yet? Take a look. If you want to be successful in life, Hannah, Bryant, and Layton, don't be embarrassed about your faith. Tell people about Jesus Christ. You know, there's a common theme that runs through generosity, discipline, work ethic, and evangelism. You know what the common theme is? It's faith. <laughs> you got to have faith you got to believe that when you give your money and your time, you're doing the right thing. you got to believe when you work hard with your hands and when you study hard and you put in more hours that that's the right thing. And you got to believe that when Jesus Christ really is who he says he is and you love him and trust him, that what a great sheer delight it is to tell everybody you know about how great God is. Paul said this way, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation and to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is a passionate aspect of my life, and it's very passionate in my family. In fact, uh, just yesterday, we had the opportunity to go out and knock on every door in our neighborhood, just love on our neighbors, and give them a gift card to Starbucks, and give them an invitation to this church, and I believe some of them are are here today. And you say, well, why would you do that? Because not only is it one of the keys to living a blessed life, it's what God told us to do. You know, ooh, listen to this, listen to this. The light is about to come on for some of you. Some of you, I know you're you're not believers, you're not followers of Christ. In fact, I know for a fact that some of you from other world religions are here. And by the way, we are thrilled that you are here. God bless you. Thank you for coming. But listen to this. I don't have many original thoughts, so I'm excited, okay? Listen to this. God only had one son. Made him a missionary. And whenever you brag on him, God gets excited. God gets excited. You know, you think about your own life. I'm telling you, people, people can be mean to me, but when they're mean to my children, it's exponentially mean to me. If you're nice to my three children, it's exponentially nice to me. Come on, dads, help me out. Moms, come on, listen. If somebody loves your child and brags on your child and says, man, your child hung the moon, dude, that child's amazing. I'm just like, mm, help me, help me. I'm just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all there, mama, but oh, i just thank you, thank you. I mean, really, you, you appreciate that. So, Take that to a whole nother level. When God the Father gave His Son, and you embraced His Son, and you love His Son, and you brag on His Son to other people, I'm just telling you all, God likes that. God has an affinity with that, and He will bless you for that. And I didn't tell them I was going to use them as a sermon illustration. I'm finding sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness (laughs) than permission. So they're sitting over here, so I'll just walk over here. There's a family in our church that has been they've been blessed. God has blessed them. And, and when I say their names, our people here at Great Hills, they're going to know who they are, and they're going to know them for what they stand for. And I'm talking about Fred and Melissa Campbell, okay? Fred, you know, I almost called Fred this week and said, can I use this story? And by the way, help me fill in the blanks because there's some blanks, but I didn't because I wanted to surprise him. So here, here's what Fred used to do in his other life. First of all, he was a physics major. Seth, you and I were talking about physics just, just the other day. Man, physics is not easy, is it? I wouldn't know because I never took it. Amen. I was like, y'all can have all the calculus. And uh, Kristen Miller, where are you over here? You can have all that you want, sister. God bless you. But I'm glad you're doing it because at University of Texas, she's a bright student. She's studying to build buildings that we're going to live in and so forth. You keep studying. Amen. God bless you. God, God passed me over on math and, and physics and science and all that stuff. But Fred... Majored in physics, built this very successful business in Austin, and, I, and I'm trying to think, what did he do? What? And I, it's something about a sensor on a crane. It's, Fred, I may be way off. All I know is this guy's bright and brilliant. He designed it, he invented it, and he sold his business. And here's what he and Melissa do: seven days a week. Y'all ready for this? They tell people about Jesus. I know no, I'm serious. They sold their home. They moved into an apartment complex so, that, so they could be closer to people who need Jesus. And if you were to go up to them, just ask them, how's life treating you? How are things going for you and your family? How's all that for Jesus stuff? How's that going for you? And I'll tell you, this smile will break out on their face and they will say, listen, we are the most blessed people on the planet. And here's why they are. Is they are unashamed of Christ. They will witness to a fence post, all right? They they will talk to anybody about Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, there's a correlation here. Some of you are looking at me going, hmm, I'm generous. I work hard. Why'd you have to bring that last one up? I mean, you know, I, I was wanting to get this blessing, I wanted this blessed life. Hey, listen to this you can't share what you don't have. If you don't have Him, you don't know Him, you need to know Him. You need to experience the Spirit of God coming in your life and and Jesus washing you of your sins. and, And you, like these dozen, you need to get up here and get baptized. And that's your first way of telling the whole world that you're not ashamed. Here's my last verse. Watch this. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is. Are you with me? You must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently uh, seek Him. Faith, trust, belief. That it really is the common theme of my message today. Whether it's parting with your money and time, whether it's rolling up your sleeves and working hard, and preeminently, when you step out on faith and share the gospel of Jesus... I mean, you grow leaps and bounds, and you position yourself. Hey, listen, guys, God knows how to bless people. And when you do the things that God is pleased with, I mean, He just loves to bless people. Now, sometimes this evangelism mission thing doesn't always go the way you planned it, all right? In fact, just the other day, I was in a restaurant. My daughter and I were, and and, uh, and I went up to this lady, and she's all tatted up, you know, and she was was at the cash register, and there was something inside of me saying, you probably ought not talk to her. And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to talk to her. So I pulled out my Great Hills Baptist Church card, and my daughter is standing there, and I was all fired up. And by the way, I love to talk about Jesus. And you, I'll, I'll talk about Jesus at the drop of a hat, and I'll help you drop the hat. I, I mean, I'm excited about it. I like doing it. So I reached across the counter, and I said, Here, I want to invite you to my church. She took the card. She said, No, thanks. I'm not religious. Take it back. My daughter and I, we just kind of looked at, her, looked at each other and looked at her. And I said, what kind of pagan heathen are you, young lady? No, I didn't do that at all. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say that at all. I mean, that, that, that's just dumb to do something like that. Here's, here's what I did do, though. I tried to practice the first two points of my sermon. What was the first point, anybody? Be generous. What was the second one? Work hard. And what was the last one? People. So I did number three. And I was stunned a little bit, and I said, oh, okay, that's cool. I said, I just wanted you to know you're always welcome. She said, oh, thank you, by the way, thank you. I'm just not religious. I almost said, I'm not either. I love Jesus. I'm not into religion. I wish I would have thought about that. You ever done that later on? Say, oh, man, you know. But anyhow, there was a pot of money there. Tips, please, tips, please. And so guess what I did? I took out some money, and I said, hey, you're doing a good job. You're working hard, and here's your money. She was like, oh, oh, thank you. He said, what restaurant was that? I'm not telling you. (laughs) Went over there and finished off our tacos. It wasn't Taco Bell. Okay, so we finished off our tacos. And the Spirit of God impressed me, said, go one more time. So I said, okay, here we go. So I made a point. I walked over to the cash register. She looked at me like, here he comes again. And I said, no, I said, it's cool, it's cool. I said, I just want you to know I I think you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. We'll see you next time. She said, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm a blessed man. I'm just going to be honest with you. God has been so favorable towards me. I'm, I'm almost 50. In fact, I'll be 50 here in a, in a few months. Amen. No black balloons. Please, staff, don't do that. Don't, no black balloons and stuff. I like golf. If you want to give me some golf gift cards or something, amen, I'll receive that. Just no black balloons, no black shoes, shirts, none of that. But I've been a blessed man, and I want to tell you why. It's because God in his great grace has been very generous to me. And today, before you leave this place, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to meet the Lord, come to know Him as your Savior, step out on faith, trust in Him. So let me, let me share with you what's about to happen. I want to close this out in prayer, okay? I'm going to say a quick prayer. And this is our Baptist tradition. Many evangelical traditions do this. It's kind of a celebratory thing. And I know it's 1215. The Methodists had already beat you to lunch, so just get over it. All right? They're already there, all right? You bat You s- Man, I went to a Baptist church and I was late for lunch, you know. And, and so it's okay, all right, because we're going to stand, we're going to sing a song, and, and in our faith, and our tradition, it's a time where people, sometimes many, sometimes none, they come to this altar, they come take a pastor by the hand, and we always give an opportunity, we extend an opportunity for you to respond to what you've heard. If you want to trust in Christ, you want to join our church, you want to be baptized, this is your moment, this is your time to shine, we give you an opportunity to do that. So our deacons... Our pastors, guys that are counselors, would y'all make your way up here as I pray, and we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to be dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this great day. God, we praise you for we praise you for these that have been baptized. We praise you for the great songs of faith that we sang with great robust and fervor. What an exciting morning it's been. Thank you for the truth of your word. It's very practical. It's very, it's very black and white. Lord, it's, it's not very hard to understand that God, you want to bless us. You love to bless us. But, Lord, you do give us a free will, and we are responsible to position ourselves so that we can receive your blessing. And it begins with belief in your Son. I pray even now, Lord, that there would be many that would say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness of sin. I don't understand it all, and there's a lot yet to figure out, but by faith, I believe in your Bible." I believe, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You died for my sins. You arose from the dead. I turn away from sin, and by faith, I give you the rest of my life. I pray that many of you would pray a prayer like that, similar to that. And others of you, listen, you're looking for a church. You're looking for a place to get plugged in, to get involved. Man, we welcome you here at Great Hills Baptist Church. And we also would love the privilege of helping you follow Jesus in your first act of obedience publicly, and that's baptism. So, Lord, would you take these few moments. And, Lord, would you just galvanize the truths that we have shared today. May it penetrate the hearts of everyone here. And, Lord, as we sing and then as we exit in a few minutes, may we go forth with great joy and just great excitement for this life that you've given us. And may we work hard and may we be generous. But most of all, may we talk about you. May we tell the whole world how amazing you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? God bless you as you stand. This is a fun time for us. We're going to sing. And God bless you now as we sing.